Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. So I want to talk tonight to you about resilience. You know, as I was talking before, I was sharing that, you know, what is our life built on? What's the foundation upon which we build our life? How do we frame our life? What do we look to, to know how we're, to measure, to see how we're going, especially as Christians? How do we know? How do we measure that? And I reckon one of the measures, well, I'm not, I don't reckon, I'm convinced that one of the measures of a successful Christian is resilience. Doesn't matter what's going on around you. Doesn't matter whether things are going good, bad or indifferent. Doesn't matter what actually people are saying or doing to you. You have your foundation built on Christ's love. Yes? Because who knows that people change, circumstances change, life changes. Yes? And if we're building our life on things or people or circumstances, then we're actually opening ourselves up to being influenced by what happens around us. I like what Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul says when he says, I've learned to be content. I want to be content. Do you want to be content? No. I do. Peter wants to, I can see Peter wants to be content. Jimmy, you'd like to be content? Maybe. Okay. You don't know what it means. <laughs> so our... Our theme for this month is you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. What are we being set free from? Just think about that. What are we being set free from? Let me read to you John eight thirty one to 32 in the New King James Version. Then Jesus says, said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you, will, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The word abide means to accept or act in accordance with a rule, decision or recommendation. I shared briefly, I went down to conference a couple of weeks ago and the takeaway I had from conference was, will you trust me? Will you trust me? I'm talking about God. Will you trust me? John, will you trust me? Will you trust me with your future? Will you trust me with your life? Will you trust me when things are going well? Will you trust me when things aren't going so well? You know, Jesus taught many things in his short ministry, in his three years. But he said, the truth will set you free. So what is the truth that Jesus taught? You know, because if we can do what it says, if we can abide in his word, and to abide means to accept and act in accordance with his word, then the promise is we will be set free. So in other words, if I will trust what Jesus teaches, getting it? If I will act in accordance with what he taught, I'm going to find freedom. That's pretty cool. Freedom from fear, freedom from mistakes, freedom from past, 
Yes? Freedom from what other people say or do in our world. Who wants some of that? Anybody? Yeah, I want some of that. So what did Jesus teach? We only have to look in Matthew 5, 6 and 7 to see where he preached the Sermon on the Mount. And it begins with the Beatitudes where it says, God blesses those, this is Matthew 3, sorry, Matthew 5, 3. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And the NIV translation says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So it's basically saying that we're blessed when we realize we need God. We need God in every area of our lives. Zig Ziglar. Do you like that name? That's a good, I like it. Zig, say it. Zig Ziglar. Oof. Zig Ziglar. He said this. Zig Ziglar said, those who leave everything in God's hands will eventually see God's hand in everything. Oh, do you like that? Those who leave everything in God's hands will eventually see God's hands in everything. Now, sometimes I think it's my job to change Helen. I'm learning it's not. Yes? Amen? Wives? Amen? See, we take on stuff in life where we think it's our job to change and control other people. Anybody? But actually it's not. It's not my job to change Helen. It's my job to love Helen. It's my job to care for Helen. It's my, go- my job to provide for Helen. It's my job to protect Helen. But it's not my job to change Helen. And when I try and change Helen, I get myself into trouble. Let me tell you. Now I'm sure, you know, and obviously with our children... You know, we do need to teach them. We do need to correct them. And we do have a responsibility. But, you know, once they get to adult years, guess what? They're no longer our responsibility. See, my responsibility is me. It's not to change Helen. It's not to change Scott Morrison. It's not to change my football team. It's me. That's my responsibility. See, what I can do is I can pray for Helen. I can love Helen. But it's God's job to change Helen. Those who leave everything in God's hands will eventually see God's hand in everything. I'm a a do-it person. I see a task and I want to get it done. If I see somebody else that, like if somebody comes to me and says, I need some help in a particular area, I'd like to, I like to go, well, this is what you need to do. One, two, three, four. I'm very good at that. I'm very good at telling people what to do. Anybody else here good at telling people what to do? Yeah, I see that hand, Kate. I see that, Dylan. Yes. We, like, if we're really honest, all of us like to tell other people what to do. Don't we? We think we're right. Yes? I, I know I'm right. Just ask Helen. You know you're right. But really, is that our responsibility? Is that my responsibility? Where does my responsibility lie? Because if I start thinking that my, it's my responsibility 
to control or change Helen, then I am going to lose peace. And so are you when you want to try and control other people. It's not our job. Our job is to love people. You know, Jesus taught many lessons in his Sermon on the Mount. My question to you tonight is this. Are you willing to accept and act in accordance with what he taught? Can I have a show of hands? If you are willing, listen, don't put your hand up if you're not willing to do this. Are you willing to accept and act in accordance with what Jesus taught? Good. Some aren't. Some are. Good. Excellent. Let me, t- let me point out some things that Jesus taught in his Sermon on the Mount. Because I tell you this, the promise, the promise is that if we will act and, and accept what he taught, the promise is that we're going to be set free. He begin, he, after the Beatitudes, he goes on to Matthew five thirteen to 14, where he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town cannot be hit. A town cannot be built on a sorry. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, who likes salt on their food? Yeah, we ran out of salt the other night. I can't eat it. I like salt. So what is Jesus saying here here when he says, you are the salt of the earth? He's saying, basically, wherever you go and whatever you do, what are you adding to that circumstance or that situation or that environment? So when you go to work, are you adding value to the person in the lunchroom? Now, who's been in the lunchroom? And what happens in the lunchroom? Ah, the boss did this. Ah, the boss did that. Oh, this person's terrible. Oh, I'm quitting. And you know what? When I quit, the company's going to fall apart. Come on. I'm just being real. Have you ever heard that in the lunchroom? I've heard, I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard it in the lunchroom. And so this person would leave. And guess what? The company kept going. Like, what flavor do we add when we go into our workplace? What flavor do I add when I go into the service station and there's three people in front of me and the lady in front's having a good old chat to the person behind the counter? And I'm in a hurry. What flavor are we adding? What, as Christians, what is our witness? When people look at Jeremy, what do they see not only in church on a Sunday, but when he goes into his workplace or when he's talking to his neighbor or when he's in a family event? What flavor is he bringing? Is he making a difference? We are, Jesus says, we are the salt of the earth. We, we as Christians, there should be something different about us to the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world are grumpy. The, the rest of the world are down. The rest of the world want to blame everybody else. The rest of the world just has had enough. But that's not the flavor Jesus is calling us to bring into our situation. Amen? He goes on to say in verse 16 of Matthew 5, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
What do you reckon a beautiful Christian looks like? Me, of course. Well, come on. What do you reckon some of the characteristics of a beautiful Christian look like? And I know there are many, I can see many people here tonight that have those characteristics. They're forgiving. They're merciful. They're joyful. They're the characteristics of a beautiful Christian. And must I say that there are some ugly Christians going around. When I don't get my food at six o'clock. No. (laughs) What are ugly Christians like? They're judgmental. They're unforgiving. they, They don't show any mercy. I don't know about you, but Jesus is teaching that we're not meant to be ugly Christians. We're meant to be beautiful Christians. Then he goes on in, on verse, in Matthew 5, verse 21 to 22. You've heard it said long ago, you shall not murder. And anybody who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry at his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. What? Now, come on. Let's be real. Who here hasn't been angry? But Jesus is saying that it's just as bad as murdering somebody. Why would he say that? Surely a murder is a much greater sin than being angry with somebody. Well, the answer is as important as it is simple. He wants our lights to shine before others. He wanted to teach us that maybe what we're not murderers, but is our light still shining before others? Others, let your light shine before others is simply not about keeping the law of Moses. You know where I'm going here? Talking about those people that are ugly Christians, the Pharisees. They were experts in keeping the law. They were experts. They were saying, well, I don't murder. But boy, were they angry with people. And it's ugly. We see in Matthew 23, 13, which usually actually says to the Pharisees that they shut the door on the kingdom of, pe- of, of heaven in people's faces. What a terrible indictment that would be for you and I, that if we were walking around and we were shutting the door to the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. And that's what Jesus accused and t- said to the Pharisees that they were doing. They were shutting the door. What sorrow awaits you? This is Matthew 23, 13. What sorrow awaits you, you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go yourselves and you don't let others enter either. Ugly Christianity. Jesus goes on to talk about revenge. Matthew 5, 38 to 42. You have heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, what do you do? You turn to them the other cheek also. I don't know about you. I don't know about you. Come on. Am I going to act in accordance with God, what Jesus is teaching here, and, and I'm going to be set free? I'm going somewhere if you just stick with me with this, with this. But I tell you, it's not always easy to turn the other cheek, is it? But that's what Jesus taught. And are we acting in accordance with what he taught? When that person slaps you on one cheek, do you turn the other cheek? Oh, just have a go. It's all good. 
Then he talks about forgiveness. Matthew 5, 43 to 44. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. That's heavy. That's hard. So we're not to get angry. We're not to be revengeful. And we're to forgive. Let me take you back to our key verse in the NIV version, Matthew 8, 31 to 32. To the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Interesting. You know, if we can just trust what Jesus taught, if we would just accept and act on what he taught, we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. What are we being set free of when we forgive? What are we being set free of when we're, we're not seeking revenge? What are we being set free when we choose not to be angry? Good question. I'm glad you asked. We're actually being set free of what other people do to us. What great freedom that is. When we forgive, that person no longer has any control over me, my emotions, or my thinking. Amen? Are you getting this? See, we're set free. When we choose to forgive, we're set free of what that other person has done. We all want to belong. We all want to belong to something, don't we? And we're desperate for other people's approval. You've heard my story. You know that when I, little Johnny, Lisa loves little Johnny. She would have loved to have had me in kids' church. But little Johnny had no self-esteem. Helen was talking this morning about the woman that thought that she had very little or not nothing at all. I mean, I was there. I've been in that place where I thought, I have nothing to offer anybody. What could God possibly use me for? I am not, I can't sing. I can't dance. <laughs> I, I can't, I, I'm not good at spelling. I, I'm, I'm not good at reading out aloud. But God's using me. Because the little that I've got, I said, yeah, here it is, use it. And it's the same for you. See, that's where, exactly where God wants you to be. See, he doesn't want you to be a prideful Christian. Oh, gee, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm gifted. I'm talented. I've got a lot to offer. God, use me. I'm just going to be so good for your kingdom. I'm just going to be brilliant. <laughs> You're just going to be amazed with what you're going to do with me, God, because I'm so good. Come on, Bo. You ever been there? (laughs) I haven't. I haven't. Like, but, you know, like God can't work with that. He works with the humble. He works with the person that says, yeah, I don't have much, but I'm willing to give it to you so you can use it for your kingdom so that you can get the glory. 
So with whatever you have, God can use. Whether you're 10 years old, whether you're 30 years old, whether you're 70 years old, or whether you're a bit older. You've still got something that God wants to use. Don't ever believe the lie of the enemy that your life is over or finished or you don't have the right gifts or talents or abilities. It's a lie from the pit of hell. But see, out of my, out of my brokenness, out of my poor self-esteem, I was angry with people. I was unforgiving. I can still see those naughty girls when I'm walking down the street about 12 years of old screaming out, look at Johnny Gardner. I never want to go back to that place. But I had to get to a place of forgiving them because they were holding me captive for years. Now, I didn't actually think like that. But are you getting the picture? See, that thing was holding me back. That unforgiveness was, was eating away at me and it continued to outwork in my life. When people would say or do things to me, it would invade my mind. It would consume me. I would offend easily. I wasn't being set free. I was being held captive by what people were doing to me. Anybody been there? I don't ever want to be there again. And Jesus' antidote to that is forgiveness. See, if you forgive, you're set free. I don't want any more space invaders in my head. I don't want to put my head on the pillow thinking, oh, what that person did to me. Oh, that that deserves punishment. And it probably does. But that doesn't fix anything when it comes to you because you're responsible for you. I'm responsible for me. I'm not responsible for what that other person did. If I'm going to carry offense for the rest of my life, it's going to hold me back. It's going to keep me captive. I don't want that. I want to cut that chain, that ball that, that of unforgiveness that, that you can carry around. I don't want to be like that. I want to be set free. And Jesus has given us the answer through his word here. When he says, forgive as I have forgiven you. You getting it? You're being set free tonight. I don't want to live my life at the mercy of how other people treat me. And I don't say that in a prideful way. Oh, I don't care. I don't care what Jason thinks about me. No, it's not a pride thing. It's a humble thing. It's where I want to come to this place of going, God, the thing that matters most in my life is you and what you think about me, not what other people think or say about me. I want to be set free of that. I'm sick and tired of my brain energy being sucked up and sucked into being angry and revengeful and hurt and disappointed with people. That's not being set free, is it? We're being held captive. I want to, I want to be set free of that. When I read the Beatitudes, I can see what Jesus means when he said, you are blessed when you are being treated poorly by others. How can that be? How can that be? How can we be blessed when we're being persecuted? Who likes being persecuted? Nobody. Good. 
But see, when we're being persecuted, it's the perfect opportunity to put in practice what Jesus taught. Oh, this is exciting. See, when we're being persecuted, it's a perfect opportunity to build resilience in our life with the help of Christ. I'm convinced that if we can believe Jesus at his word, then we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Come on. Are we going to listen to what Jesus taught and are we going to listen to everything that he taught? Or are we just going to pick a few bits and just put the unforgiveness bit aside? I don't know, but Jesus' major character, one of the major things that Jesus did was forgive. In fact, that's what he did. That's how important it was to him. Shouldn't it be important in our lives? Think about how much time you have spent in the past and I have spent in the past thinking about what other people have done to us. That could be time where we could be praising God. That's where we could be worshipping God. That's where we, be, we could be thinking about the things that God wants us to do. But no, our minds are consumed with what these people have done to us. If we're angry, if we're evangelical, if we're unforgiving, we're actually, you know, better than the Pharisees. We're not letting what Jesus taught change us. I never want to be in that place, do you? So I want to give you three quick strategies that have helped me that can help you when it comes to persecution or hardships. Number one, when you're facing persecution or hardship, ask God, ask God what lesson can I learn in this? See it as an opportunity to build resilience. Hebrews 12, 7 to 8 says this, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined for what children are not disciplined by their father. If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You're not true sons and daughters at all. You know, when we discipline our children out of love, what are we trying to do? We're trying to protect them from harm. Yes? We're trying to equip them to live a better life. When we discipline our children... If our child goes to put his hand on the heater, oh, there's no heaters in North Queensland. Sorry, I'm back in Melbourne. I'll have to think of something else. When our child goes to run out on the road, we go, no, don't do that. And if they go to do it again, we might even give them a little smack because we're protecting them. We, don't want, we want to teach them a lesson. And church, Jesus is teaching us a lesson when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to revenge, and when it, when it comes to being angry. He's teaching us if you can let go of that stuff, you're going to be set free. You're going to be set free of what other people can do to you. But you might be going, but it's not fair. What they've done was wrong, and it probably is. But it's not about what they did. It's so that you can be set free. But they should be punished. Well, I think the Bible actually says something like this. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Now, in my previous life, when, when I was away from God, I was a sulker. Any sulkers here? 
Yeah. You know, when somebody said something that was hurtful, I'd sulk. Now, you know, I've, this is my second marriage. And in my first marriage, if I had an argument with my first wife, I'd sulk. See, it was my way of payback. I'm not talking to her. And this could go on for days because I was wanting to punish her. But how wrong is that? I'm wanting to control and manipulate. But that's not what Jesus has taught. And in that whole time that I'm sulking, I'm bound up. I'm thinking about it. And every time somebody says something, I'd be going, well, I'm not listening. I'm not talking to you. I'm going to punish you because you hurt me. But there's no power in that. The power is when we go, yeah, I choose to forgive. I'm not going to let that thing hold me any further. So what lessons can we learn when we're being persecuted? What is God trying to, what is God trying to teach us? Number two, admit that we are spiritually poor. I said the beatitude, you know, blessed are the poor who realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Like so often when I find myself in a situation where things have gone pear-shaped or when somebody said something to me, I'm immediately in what I need to do. And God gets pushed to the side. Anybody been there? But the very first thing I do is, I should do is, God, I need you. I need you. I need to humble myself before you. I need your help, Lord, to forgive this person. I need your help not to seek revenge. I need your help not to get angry. Amen? And number three, I capture the thought and make it obedient to Christ. This is a really good one. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 5. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps us from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. If I could have the band up, please. When thoughts of revenge come into my mind, when thoughts of unforgiveness come into my mind, when thoughts of wanting to be angry come into my mind, hang on, hang on. What did Christ teach about that? And I'm again, am I going to act in accordance with what he taught? Because I believe this church, if we can do that, we're going to be set free. We're going to be resilient. Who wants to be more resilient? Who wants to be more resilient? Who wants to be less controlled by people and circumstances? See, I've learned in my time walking with the Lord that he basically works on changing me. Not other people, not, other circum- not my circumstances necessarily. He will and does. But most of the time, God's work is on me. Because he wants me to live a victorious life. I don't know if you're a healthy, mature Christian, and I'm talking about myself here, if I'm a healthy, and I'm challenging myself as much as I'm challenging you, if I'm a healthy, mature Christian, how, how can I harbor, how can I hold on to unforgiveness? Am I acting in accordance with what Jesus taught about that? 
Or am I just going, no, well, I, I, I love Jesus, I believe what he says, but I'm not going to act in accordance with what he said about that. I want you to be free. You should know the truth, and the truth shall... Who would like to be more free tonight? Who would like to be more free? Hannah, would you like to be... I've called you the right name tonight. How cool. Thank you, Lord. Do it again. I think we could sing if that would be good. Do it again. Did we do do it again, number three? No, what was number three? No. Didn't we do do it again? I'm looking at this morning. (laughs) All right. Um, The the song we sung, not the last one, the one before. Which one was that? Good, good father. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good father. Like, I don't know about you, church, but I need help with this. Do you? I need help. I admit it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's what it means. I'm willing to say I need help with unforgiveness. I need help with anger. I need help with revenge. Is that you tonight? We're just going to sing this. He's a good father. So he has good gifts. He wants to give you the gift of freedom tonight. Freedom of past hurt. Freedom of offense. Freedom of what people have done to you. You know, there's there's some serious stuff that's gone down and continues to go down. Serious, serious stuff. And I am not for one moment saying that that should be brushed under the carpet or it, it shouldn't have, it, it's okay that it happened. I'm not saying any of that. But I want to set you free. Do you want to be set free tonight? Would you like to be freer tonight, church? Would you like to be freer tonight? Can I have a, yeah? Come on. Are we serious? Are we going to act in accordance with what Jesus taught? I'm challenging you tonight. I'm challenging me. Are we going to act in what he said? And are we going to believe it? Are we going to trust him at his word? See, if we will, guess what? We'll be set free. Those girls that said those naughty things to me, I'm set free. Those things that were said to me in in my life that have hurt, even by people that are very close to me. I'm free. I no longer have to use any brain power thinking about it anymore. I can focus on worshipping God. And so can you. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website www.withsundayacc.com.au